0: How exciting. The email just arrived and it said, you have been selected to participate in our RFP. You are super excited, aren't you, to jump in and start getting involved? (laughs) Or should you think about your other options? Yes! Let's discuss whether we should even participate in today's episode.
1: Do you desire a competitive advantage delivered weekly that will help propel you into the next level of your sales career? Then you have found the right place. Welcome to the Win the Deal Show, a B2B sales podcast for sales professionals like you that wanna discover ways to improve your strategy, communication and negotiation techniques, and ultimately win more deals. Get ready to accelerate your sales growth. Now, here's your host, Tim Barnaby.
0: Welcome back to the Win The Deal Show podcast. I am your host, Tim Barnaby, and today's podcast episode is all about RFPs and whether we should be involved in them or not. And it makes me think, to bid or not to bid? That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the B2B sales mind to abstain from the trials and tribulations of the RFP process or to engage and confront the potential customer with steadfast determination. And by engaging in their process, perhaps win a deal, to withdraw, to participate. I know not how, when we shall pass on a bidding opportunity, we will end the doubts and the wasted time writing gibberish responses that come through special online tools Tis a decision, devoutly to be contemplated, to participate, to abstain, to abstain, perchance to miss out on a golden chance. Aye, there's the rub, for in that abstention what opportunities may be missed, when we have given up on bidding for this RFP, must give us pause, there's the consideration that makes a missed opportunity of submitting the bid. My open (laughs) soliloquy to my upcoming play, The B2B Salesman. (laughs) This week, I saw a poll on LinkedIn and it was specific to RFPs. It had to do with whether or not there was a belief that In participating in the RFP you believed that you actually had a chance or if you felt that a decision as to who would be selected was already made. And surprisingly there was more than 50% of the responders who thought someone was already selected. Is this actually the case? Is this really true to nature? Well, let's talk about a couple of things that I can provide from my perspective working in procurement and where I feel this may or may not make sense and what you should consider when you're confronted with the option as to participate in an RFP or not. Before we get started, make sure you take the opportunity to grab my free guide to telling better sales stories, the five must-haves to turn your sales story into a success. It's specifically for B2B sales professionals, and it outlines the easy, straightforward story selling strategies that I and my clients use to hone their most important asset. When used effectively, this will make you one step ahead to winning more deals. If you want to make an impact on your sales, go to timbarnaby.com story and grab a copy of the five must-haves. Let me start by stating that in my career, I've managed many RFPs. I don't want to say hundreds of uh, RFPs, but certainly a significant amount. And there might be a handful, a small handful, perhaps two RFPs, where I'm truly proud of the work that we did and the manner in which we did it. And in both cases, I can assure you that the incumbent who was included in the RFP process did not win in which case we did go through and make a change from status quo to new supplier was this the norm it's hard to say because it's different categories that i was involved with compared to others and a different buying style as well most of the categories i've managed in my career were in marketing and corporate services corporate services being things like Office supplies, insurance, translation services, sometimes print would fall under that category as well. These are seen as commodity based items where you can do a true apples to apples comparison, and at the end of the day, pick the lowest price, which at the end of the day is the majority of what RFPs are meant to do. And we will always write in there that we don't necessarily consider price to be the main factor as to why we make a decision. Yet. That's usually what it comes down to. And what I want you to consider is that the statement that was made in this poll and some of the comments I saw were talking about the fact that if you didn't write the RFP or if you weren't the incumbent as part of the RFP, your likelihood of winning that RFP were next to zero. There is perhaps some truth to that, that if you haven't had the opportunity to add any input and if you're not already, the incumbent supplier where you are already integrated into systems and tools and are already familiar with the customer and their processes and their nuances, the likelihood of you being switched out is pretty slim. Does it mean that it's guaranteed? Not at all. As I mentioned, I've run RFPs, I've displaced the incumbent supplier. But it is challenging because As much as we would like to think that the world lives in a commoditized manner, and that we can easily just say, switch out supplier A for supplier B, and everything will be the same and run exactly as planned, it never usually works out that way. So when should you participate in an RFP? Well, one instance I can think of is that if you're a member of the public service, if you are buying on behalf of a government agency. Normally there are thresholds and the thresholds tend to be quite low in terms of dollar size or contract value that an RFP needs to be run. So if your product or service is a solution that is specific to government agencies or is available to be sold to government agencies, meaning it's not specifically geared towards them. When I think about office supplies, which are used across multiple industries, including the government, that's an opportunity where a government agency, based on their budget, based on their spend thresholds, might say, we still need to put this out to market. And if you compete in that market space, then that's an area where you may need to consider If you want to win future business or maintain future business, that's an RFP you need to participate in. You may also consider, when you're breaking into a new industry, that this would be the ideal time where you may not be known for working in that industry, but yet this is where you want to at least break ground, at least find a way in. And if you're struggling to find a way in, through normal channels, social media, direct mail, networking events, being invited to an RFP or being made aware that an RFP is being issued and you're somehow able to get yourself onto the list of potential suppliers to be included, this may make sense for you to be a part of it and add your input because now is a way to be in front of decision makers as well as potential end users that may not be familiar with your product or solution. These are really, when I started thinking through it, the only two logical reasons, aside from you're the incumbent and there's a process that says we need to go through an RFP. If you're the incumbent and you want to maintain your business, I suppose you're going to participate. But I'm really thinking about those new opportunities, those new potential customers, even a customer that might be buying certain services from you, but now they're looking to expand and you just so happen to have that expansion capability in your wheelhouse. Now might be the ideal time to use the leverage that you have, which is the relationship of being already a supplier of choice with that particular customer and use the leverage you have to, build onto the portfolio of solutions that you already offer and go further with the RFP in that manner. Aside from that, I just don't see a lot of value for it being included. And here's the caveat to that. I don't see the reason why, especially when RFPs are issued the way that the majority are, which means that the majority of RFPs are taken from a very set, defined set of criteria, but yet it hasn't addressed some of the other key issues. What I mean by this is that when procurement and their business partner look at buying products or solutions, they're usually looking at what are they doing today? We would encourage as a procurement professional to say, where can we improve upon the delivery service or what is it that we currently don't have today but we're looking to adopt in the future which we can solicit information about from the rfp and it's almost like a mini discovery in a sense of you know tell us all the things that you want what's a, what's on the wish list what's on the nice to have list what's on the we to have it but we don't want it list you know, we try to bucket it out and give these kinds of examples in some of the written material Does it work out that way 100% of the time? No, because we're limited to the information that we have available to us. As much as we'd love to be seen and present ourselves as the expert in our category, we can only find out so much information. We really do look for more details from a competitive landscape perspective what's trending in the marketplace, what are some of the macro and micro themes that are out in the world economically and where this particular solution trend is heading so that we can add that value-added information to internal clients and help them make a better decision. When it comes to RFPs, including that kind of perspective and showcasing to a potential bidder that we're familiar, not just with your products and solutions, but what's happening in the industry and how that would affect our business going forward. So this is where I'm talking about a, a mini discovery, if you will. We would ask certain types of questions that would get to the root cause of what some of the business challenges are, not so much from just the solution that we're looking to replace, or at least compare against the incumbent to make sure that we're still making the right buying decision, but also how is that going to make the business better going forward? Understanding that those are some of the reasons why you would want to participate, let's think about why we wouldn't want to participate. First of all, the majority of procurement professionals are going to follow their standard buying process, which includes, you can only talk to us, procurement, through the procurement process. You may have questions that you want to have answered that are specific to the RFP or specific to how you're currently using the solution today. And you have two options in which to find out that information. Number one, you can ask before the RFP and sometimes procurement will answer those questions. Usually they will not. The other option is to ask during the RFP process, which, Again, those questions would be asked through a formal process, normally in the written stage of an RFP. The RFP would indicate that all questions submitted will be returned back to all bidders together with responses, so that not any one company who is providing a bid would receive more or less information than anyone else. This can be a disadvantage to you if you are good at asking discovery type questions and your competitors are not. You're giving away some competitive advantage that they may not necessarily think of or think to ask, in which case you get a sheep of questions back that have all the questions outlined plus all of the answers. In addition, sometimes the questions that are asked, which are good questions, get answers like, we're not prepared to tell you right now, we don't know, we're not going to answer that question. Now your competitive advantage and your question to find out more information is met with no information. I look at this as a waste of resources. The time and the effort for you and your organization to take in a document, digest it, ensure that you have all of the players in your organization brought together and made aware of the this opportunity given their appropriate sections to go and research and make sure that they put the right amount of information in Asked to gather specific questions about wording about phraseology about insights that perhaps they weren't shared perhaps there's detail that you can't answer a specific question without specific knowledge of how it's to be used or how it would integrate into a system that you need to have insights on. And all of this energy and resources is dedicated to answering an RFP, which is usually met with minimal responses. There are usually minimum number of responses given back. Minimum in terms of the number of answers provided, but also minimum in terms of the amount of detail given in the responses. I think this is done for a couple of reasons. Number one, the buyers and the end users internally are hesitant to give out too much information about how their systems operate and how things play out on a day-to-day basis. With the general community, they'd much rather have those one-to-one discussions, which means you need to win in the written phase of the RFP and get to phase two, the presentation phase, before you're going to find out any details. The second part is people are busy. And usually when questions come in, no matter how well thought out they are, people find that it's a challenge to find either the right amount of information to share, or even in some cases, haven't contemplated that information and usually wanna stick to a, we just don't know type of response versus going out researching and coming back with more details. So understanding that there's all this effort put in to create an RFP And then not enough information is shared to which it just drives circles. We send the RFP out, it comes back with questions, it gets responded back with lack of detail, lack of information, to which you now need to make up assumptions or come up with alternatives that don't give you the full picture of what you're getting yourself into to only be turned around and be told, well, we don't like the way that you respond to these particular questions. Okay. (laughs) If I didn't have all of the information, how am I supposed to respond appropriately? And whether or not you get into the next phase with the presentation is all determined on this. So I just feel like it's a big waste of resources when we're not going to handle it properly. What I want you to consider is the resources in your organization, the resources that are within your own team, and whether or not The amount of time and energy and perhaps money involved in participating is going to take away from your focus where you could be spending more time discovering new customers, having good quality conversations through direct mail, through cold calling, through setting up meetings, through networking events to really have a better way of earning more business than participating through an RFP process. The second reason to contemplate not participating in an RFP is because in general, it is a race to the bottom. I still remember one of the first big RFPs that I was a part of where we asked for a significant amount of technical information because it was a technical install. And the RFP at that time was coming in in binders. They come in in electronic PDF uploads to shared drives now. But back then, We used to get boxes of binders, usually asked for three copies so that one could stay with procurement, two could go to the business to be reviewed. And these technical documents all came in and we sat at a table and started distributing to the different parties. And one by one, one of the procurement professionals took each of the proposals, flipped directly to the pricing section and made their scores accordingly. Now, they were only one person in the decision-making of that process, but it really opened my eyes to think that all this great detail was shared, all this fantastic concept around how they could change our business and what they could do that would be make things better, You know, the wish list, the nice to have, the needs to have, all that was in these binders, and yet... All somebody did was find the tab that said pricing, flip to it, made their note around what it was, and then moved on to the next binder. And what context do they have? After all, if I told you that the price of a car is $50,000, you might look at that and say, that's a really expensive car. Because in your mind, you might be thinking that you would be buying a Honda Civic. And in my mind, I might be thinking, I'm actually trying to sell you a used BMW, slightly used (laughs) nowadays at that price point. But it might also be that I'm trying to sell you a Porsche, a brand new Porsche. I just need to get it off my lot and I've heavily discounted it to $50,000. Now there are three contexts there and which one is really represented. If you just take it from one frame of reference, which is just a number on a page without contemplating any of the other pieces around it, what are you really solving for? What are you really understanding what that means? So the race to the bottom, I believe, tends to be one of the reasons why this is not best use of your time and whether you should really consider actually participating in the RFP. That's Two out of three reasons as to why you would not want to consider participating in an RFP. One being around resources, the second around pricing and being a race to the bottom. The third reason I think you should consider not participating in an RFP is because the deal is usually stacked against all of the bidders. Thinking back again to what I was talking about earlier in this show, that the incumbent has the greatest possibility of winning and most people perceive them to be the ones who would win. We know that selling is about change and change is hard. Change will always be hard and incumbents who don't perform well are still more likely to win because change is hard. It takes a significant amount of effort on the part of the organization, the people who are involved in the decision-making, from low-level people working on a day-to-day basis, all the way to the executive who has to make the final call as to whether we make the switch or not. Everybody knows that their job is on the line, their reputation is on the line, their ability to advance in the company is on the line when decisions like this need to be made. And all things being equal, if it really truly comes down to this can go really well and it can push me into the future in a much faster light, and a much faster and brighter light compared to staying with status quo, then that would be a reason to make the change. But if there's even a hint that this might fail or that there may be challenges or that somebody else might come along tomorrow and not like this decision that I have made, status quo will feel just fine because They went through the RFP process. They added up all the pluses and the minuses. And at the end of the day, they can still bring it back to a value proposition that showcases that perhaps the unit pricing that is provided might be as competitive or more competitive than what we have today. But the cost to make the change is still far greater than the savings will deliver. So think about the deal and where you are on the RFP process, whether you're the incumbent or not, and whether or not the change, the investment in the change makes sense. Whether or not the investment for that company to make that change, not just from the dollar's perspective, but the, the general nature and the perspective of what it means for them going forward. Is there enough justification there for them to want to make that change. So I've given you some reasons why you may wanna consider participating and some reasons why you may not want to consider participating in an RFP. Let me give you some words of advice for those who choose to stay on the path of going forward with RFPs for the reasons I've outlined or for the only, the reasons that perhaps you have on your own. Number one, there will be rules to participating, and you want to make sure you know them, understand them, and follow them. It's definitely not an area you would want to spend all that time, money, and resource on and uh, find out at the end that because of a rule that was written somewhere deep in the document that you didn't get considered for a future event in the RFP process, be it a presentation or a negotiation phase, or not get selected at all because of a minor misreading or a misunderstanding of what's included in the RFP document. Second would be ask your qualifying questions in advance. Try and have a conversation with the procurement department well before the RFP is issued. And if you believe that based on the solution that you provide and that is part of the industry, have they considered including technical specs? Have they considered including these types of people to be included in the RFP. As much as you can add value to the RFP before it's issued, I would encourage you to do it. The reason being that A, it obviously helps you add your input and be thought of when the RFP is being considered. But number two, why do you wanna get caught off guard? As I mentioned, asking certain questions may be at a disadvantage for you. So why not make sure that it gets asked in advance? Why not try at least to have a conversation with procurement to get a sense of where they are coming from? And from that conversation, or perhaps lack of conversation, it will be telling about what that RFP process might be like. As I mentioned, sometimes they are a little hesitant to want to answer certain questions during the formal process. But if they are more open and willing to take your questions and considerations in advance that might be a good way to think about how they are rethinking of the process. And if they are absolutely against it, if they are dead set on, we have our process down, we want you to follow the rules. Well, you know what kind of customer you may be starting to deal with. And again, that might influence your decision as to whether you participate or not. Finally, I would say you want to know the playing field. Even though, It might not be your process, your sales process that you want to follow. It's a buyer's process. You want to know what's the playing field that you're playing on. You know, how are you gonna be able to answer questions? How are you gonna be able to communicate with the business if procurement isn't able to get you the answers that you so need in order to answer? How are you going to be able to obtain information about how they operate and use the current solution if you can't get information from anybody? You, you really want to truly understand what it is that you offer, how you differentiate, and how that can be described in the RFP. I've been asked before, does it make sense to provide alternate solutions? Not just the solution itself, but alternate pricing solutions in terms of how you would be presenting. So we're no longer thinking about a unit price. We might be thinking of a package price, let's say. And I would just offer... Words of caution, because in some cases, yes, I think that there's value to adding more detail and showcasing that you're thinking about the business in a different way, and that this is a value add that you offer to not just this as a potential client, but all your clients, and you want them to have the benefit of all this added knowledge and experience. And yet, something like that could be easily misunderstood and taken that you don't want to follow the process. So you really want to gauge how are you playing with this team and what are the reactions like? How how do they take information in and provide information back? How do they treat you when you could have informal conversations? Sometimes you can have informal conversations outside of the RFP process. And what are they willing to talk about then? So these are the areas you want to be thinking about whether you participate or not. And when you do... When you take all of this into consideration, you may find RFPs are the way forward for you. And you're going to continue and even seek them out. And if you do, I wish you nothing but success. And if you don't, do so respectively, meaning that procurement has a role to play. And usually, the best way for them to know whether they're getting the best deal on the market is to test the market through a competitive bid analysis. And I would encourage you to be open upfront and uh, as accommodating as can be with procurement as they start to navigate a process that they may or may not have experience in dealing with. And as you do, just know that somebody on the other side is doing their best to try to accommodate a process and be fair to all parties. But if it doesn't make sense, do so with knowledge so that they can at least think about that for the next time that they issue an
1: RFP. Leaders are readers. Wanna become the next leader for your team? Let's check out what Tim is reading this week.
0: This week, I had the opportunity to reread one of my favorite books and it is Same Side Selling by Jack Quarles and Ian Altman. And I love this book because it really does resonate from uh, a role that I've been in in the past in procurement. Because Jack was a procurement person, so you do have a procurement lens in addition to Ian's sales lens, providing guidance and details around how they uh, speak about sales in this book. One of the great opportunities about reading this and, and taking in information is that you really find alignment with who resonates in the world of sales and uh, who doesn't. There's definitely people that I have read and their material hasn't been as effective with me in terms of uptake, but it also feels not genuine if I can put it that way. But Ian and Jack wrote a book that is truly genuine but also written in a way that they're looking to help. They're looking to help you as the sales professional be even more professional when you're selling and to think about it in a way that will make you stand out. One of my favorite parts is in chapter four where they break down how to do same side selling using the same side quadrants. If you're a fan of Ian Altman, he has a podcast called The Same Side Selling Podcast, and there are many episodes that break down how to walk through those quadrants, and there's no one who can do it better than Ian. So I would encourage you, number one, first go out and pick up this book, it is well worth the read, and number two, start to listen to The Same Side Selling Podcast by Ian Altman because he is an excellent speaker, And the knowledge that he shares comes directly from this book. All of the key learnings and uh, all of the key pieces of the book are shared on his podcast, and he does a great job of breaking it down. At the end of the day, it truly comes down to what is the value that you offer, and how does that compare to the investment that's being made? So same-side selling is very similar in the sense of what I propose when I'm talking about selling to businesses and procurement as well, is that... You can certainly sell on price, but it's better to sell on value and sell outcomes and not features and benefits. So find a way to get this book and really digest it because it will help guide you on a path to being more successful in your sales. Well, that does it for another episode of the Win the Deal show. I hope you're getting tons of value from it and I hope From today's episode, that you take away some insights as to whether or not you consider running with an RFP or not. Just remember, this podcast is available on many podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. We're trying to reach a much broader audience. So I'd love it if you take an opportunity to rate and review this podcast on your podcast player of choice or go to the show notes of this week's episode and I've put a link there to a review site there where you can add a review and that way it will reach more audience members. I look forward to sharing more with you on a future episode. Until then, make the decision as to whether or not you are going to participate in an RFP. Be strong in your conviction. Go out and do it with integrity and make sure that you do it for the right reasons because I want you to continue to win more deals. See you next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the Win the Deal Show. What action will you take away and implement? We would love it if you would leave a rating and review in order to help others like you find this show. And remember to subscribe so that you will be the first to hear the latest episode. Check out all our episodes at winthedealshow.com. Thank you for listening. Now go out, take massive action and win the deal.